What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. The last two weeks of the sports calendar have been insane. We had MLB opening day, the men's and women's Final Four and National Championship, WrestleMania at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, the F1 Australian Grand Prix, the Miami Open Final, the men's Frozen Four and National Championship, the UFC event in Miami, and the week concluded on Sunday with John Rahm holding off Brooks Kepka to win the Masters. But I don't want to talk about any of that today. Instead, I want to talk about Toto Wolf and the Mercedes Formula One racing team. For those that don't already know, Forbes recently named Toto Wolf a billionaire. But the interesting part isn't that he's made a billion dollars. It's how he did it, including the unique deal structure that enabled him to make hundreds of millions of dollars as a part owner of the Mercedes Formula One racing team. So today we'll run through all the numbers, including how Formula One has become so popular and the unique deal that Toto was able to sign with Mercedes. Let's get right to it. So most of us know that Formula One is one of the most luxurious sports on the planet. There's drivers like Michael Schumacher and Lewis Hamilton, who have earned hundreds of millions of dollars as racing drivers. The average ticket to the Miami Grand Prix last year was more expensive than the Super Bowl. And it's not uncommon to see billionaires shipping champagne in the paddock. It's an exclusive, exclusive, exclusive event, no matter where you go in the world. Obviously, there's now races in Las Vegas, Austin, and Miami. It's moving Western into the United States, and the races are only becoming more popular. But Total Wolf is one of just a few people to actually make a billion dollars from F1. That means he didn't have it before. He made it in Formula One. Now, Total Wolf is the team principal of the Mercedes Formula One team. He grew up as a racing driver, became a professional investor and has spent the last 15 years dominating Formula One. He's run two different Formula One teams, Williams and Mercedes. He currently manages an organization with more than 1,200 employees and annual revenues of $450 million. His teams have won more than 100 races, and Mercedes just completed the most dominant run in Formula One history, winning eight consecutive world championships. And the result? Toto Wolff is officially a billionaire, according to Forbes. But like I said in the intro, the interesting part isn't that he's made a billion dollars. It's how he did it. Wolf is a part owner of the Mercedes racing team. He received a significant valuation discount when he was hired a decade ago. And his equity stake has transformed him from a successful investor into one of the most powerful people in Formula One history. But before we get into Total Wolf and how he reached a billion dollar net worth, I think it's important to understand some history about Mercedes and Formula One. Now, Mercedes has a long, and complex history in motor racing. The German-based luxury car manufacturer competed in Grand Prix racing as early as the 1900s, 1907, I believe. They then started racing in the European Championship in the 1930s, and they even won two Formula One Drivers' Championships in 1954 and 1955. But Mercedes then withdrew from the sport entirely after an accident at the 1955 Le Mans 24-hour race killed one of their own drivers and 83 spectators. They withdrew from racing altogether, all forms of motor racing. And the company wouldn't return to the highest levels of the sport for more than 40 years. But then in the late 1990s and early 2000s, Mercedes dipped its toes back in the water by supplying engines to Formula One teams like Sauber, McLaren, and Braun GP. And with Formula One becoming more and more popular each year, the legendary brand re-entered Formula One in 2010. They purchased the Braun GP racing team, but things didn't go as planned. 
They were spending hundreds of millions of dollars in an effort to build a championship winning car. Everyone knows how this works, right? They're spending as much money as they possibly can because it's a direct reflection on Mercedes, their marketing efforts, and everything else. But the newly launched Formula One team didn't win a single race from 2010 to 2012. In fact, the team actually went backwards. They finished fourth in the Formula One standings in their first year in 2010 and again in 2011. But then they fell back to fifth place in 2012. And this is where Total Wolf comes in. So for those that don't already know some background on Total Wolf, the TLDR is that he's a former racing driver. He was born in Austria. Uh, his father died when he was young. His family was not very wealthy. They had some financial difficulties, etc. Still, he was enamored and loved motor racing, all forms of it. He wanted to be a racing driver. He competed as an amateur and as a professional throughout the 1980s and the 1990s. When he was 26 years old, he was at Vienna University studying economics. He dropped out, eventually did a couple of different internships and jobs, later starting his own venture capital firm, raised some money and went out and invested it, became a very successful investor. He backed a bunch of good companies, made a bunch of money. He even actually started a couple publicly traded technology firms himself. And later on in life, I think it was around 2010, he purchased a 16% stake in the Williams Formula One racing team. Now, he had been around Formula One for a few years at this point. Him and Mika Heikkinen, who is a former Formula One racing driver himself, started a talent management, basically a, a management firm for drivers. He was in and around the sport. He saw an opportunity to buy a stake in Williams, and he did it. So he spent a few years as a stakeholder in the Williams racing team. He eventually then became an executive director and part of their board of directors for the team. And it's important to note at this point that Williams drastically outperformed their expectations. In fact, the last race that Williams won today was the 2012 Spanish Grand Prix, was under Total Wolf. So everyone took notice of this. They said, look, this is the team with a smaller budget at the time. They shouldn't necessarily be winning races. They were doing really well. That same year, Total Wolf says that he received a call from Mercedes' parent company. And they asked him to come in and basically just say, see why he thought Mercedes was struggling. So he took a look at their books. He took a look at the operation. He went into the office. He watched the team. He went to races with them. He did all this stuff. And he called back the Mercedes parent company and he said, now you guys can continue to do exactly what you're doing. You can improve X, Y, and Z, but you're never going to be able to compete with the other teams unless you increase your budget. That was bottom line. He said, you're not spending enough money. The car's never going to be good enough. All these other teams are spending more money than you. You're not going to be able to compete. And this is where it gets interesting because Mercedes came back to him and they said, if we are willing to give the Formula One racing team the budget that is required to compete for championships, would you be willing to run the team? And at first, Total claims that he was hesitant. He didn't think it was the right thing to do. And the reason why he didn't think the right thing to do was that he was a shareholder of Williams, a competing team. So he said to Mercedes, look, I would be interested but I own shares in the Williams F1 racing team. I own 16% of the, the organization. And if I'm going to be involved in something like this and have an active role from either a CEO perspective, a team principal perspective, whatever it is, I need to have an ownership stake in the team. Mercedes came back to him and they offered him essentially what a, has now become the deal of a lifetime. They offered him the opportunity to buy a 30% stake in the Mercedes F1 team. Nicky Lauda acquired an additional 10% stake in the team, and then the parent company kept the remaining 60%. Now, we don't know exactly how much was paid by Total Wolf at the time. He calls it an attractive valuation. And we know that the team, when they acquired Braun, paid a, about $170 million. Now, most people have said that Total Wolf probably paid somewhere around 30 to maybe $35 million for his 30% stake in the team. 
I think that's probably accurate. And if you think about it in context of what the team was worth at the time, that's that's probably a slight valuation discount, which isn't abnormal when you're hiring someone and you're trying to get them to come in and run the organization. So Toto agrees. He buys 30% of the Mercedes Formula One team. He moves over and he's team principal executive in charge of the organization. Now, it's important to note, as I said before, that Mercedes was not doing well at the time. Now, Toto can say about all these different things. He definitely made some improvements from a human resources perspective, from a, a management perspective, and so forth. For example, he increased the junior program. He started a junior program for the Mercedes team. They started developing drivers. He changed a lot of the organizational values. He implemented strict rules and guidelines of kind of what could be done and said in and around the team. Obviously, they increased the budget. He went out and hired a bunch of good people. And more importantly, what happened was the regulations changed going into 2014. So there was a regulation change around the engines that were allowed to be used for the Formula One teams going into 2014. And however you want to explain it, Mercedes got it right. They built the best car and it was dominant from the outset. So Mercedes dominated over those over the next eight years. They won drivers and constructor championships every single year, except for the last one when Max won the, the World Drivers Championship and they still won the team championship. But Lewis Hamilton has dominated. Nico Rosberg won as well. And they've filtered people into the cars, different people, whether it's George Russell or other people as well. And they've done really well. So the team has dominated. Now, there's a few interesting things here that Toto has talked about that has done really, really well. And there's actually this very interesting case study that Harvard Business School did. I think it was last year that talks about some of this stuff. And I'll run you through a few of the examples just to get an idea of kind of the leader and the person that he is as the CEO, essentially, of the Mercedes team. So he says there's zero tolerance for internal politics. He believes in brutal honesty in team culture. He says there can be a no blame mentality. And he says that he always has the team's back, whether it's in meetings or with the press and the media. And so there's a few examples of this that they talk about in the Harvard Business Case Study. One of them is that when Total Wolf arrived at Mercedes, he said that uh, he went to the first race in the hospitality area and it was disgusting. He said it just wasn't up to standard. If they wanted to be a top team and be an extension of the Mercedes brand, it needed to be better. So he immediately went out and he hired a hospitality assistant to work the bathroom area. And this person was essentially just supposed to clean up after everyone and keep it tidy and nice for, for people that are coming through. Because like I said, you have to remember, the people that are visiting these races are extremely wealthy individuals. They're people that run businesses. They're people that are sponsors that are spending hundreds of millions of dollars with the Formula One racing teams. And they're people that you're trying to impress. So Toto hired this person. And not only did he hire them, he actually went through the bathrooms himself as the team principal, as the de facto CEO of the organization and clean the toilets and show them exactly how he wanted it to be done. And he said, after every single time this person goes, to, someone goes to the bathroom, I want you to clean it like this. So he showed them exactly how it needed to be done. That's one example. Another example is that Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton got into a, a collision during a race. They were fighting for first place teammates. Obviously, that doesn't happen very often in Formula One. Sometimes there's team orders. Sometimes they let you fight it out, whatever it is. But they were fighting and they got in an accident. Both teams got out of the race. Toto brought them in the middle of the room made them apologize and undress them in front of the team. He said, you guys were being selfish. You took it upon yourself. There's thousands of employees at this organization working at the factory and working at the parent company. You embarrassed everyone. You let them down. Apologize. So no one was bigger than the team. And there's a few other things too that I think are interesting. Lewis Hamilton has talked about in the past of how Total Wolf has let him be his own person and let him, you know, he knows what helps him get prepared for races and how he needs to have a creative outlet and do all these different things. The example they point to in the HBS study is that 
Total Wolf let Lewis Hamilton do a Tommy Hilfiger fashion show before the Singapore Grand Prix in, in maybe it was 2017, something like that, where everyone was shocked. He showed up basically the day of qualifying or the day before qualifying. And everyone was like, you know, this is a mistake. Why are you letting him do this? You're losing the plot. This guy is running your team. You can't allow him to do this. And Lewis Hamilton set out and not only got pole, but he set one of the best qualifying laps of all time. It's a beauty. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. It was directly after that. Lewis Hamilton basically said, thank you for the trust. Let's shut everyone up. And that's exactly what happened. So to recap for a second, Total Wolf owns essentially a third, a little bit less than a third. Now he owns 33% of the Formula One racing team that is Mercedes. He implemented a bunch of different things within the team and the culture that improved things drastically. Basically everyone in and around the team claims that he is amazing in that regard. But ultimately what changed was the regulations. They hired good people. They paid a lot of money. They increased their budget. They got the car right. Mercedes dominated over the last decade. Now, this is super interesting because Formula One has become much more popular during that time frame also, and therefore, the valuation of the Mercedes team has drastically increased. Now, everyone knows that Liberty Media bought Formula One a few years ago in 2016 for $4.4 billion. Formula One is now worth over $20 billion, so Liberty Media has done very, 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 very well from an investment standpoint, but also the teams have done very well. So like I said before... The Mercedes Formula One team was purchased for $170 million when they bought Braun. So basically, you can't just come in and buy a new team. There's other people that are trying to do that today, and it hasn't gone as they wanted. So Mercedes came in, they bought a different team, they changed the name and so forth. That team, as of 2019, was worth more than a billion dollars. And now that we're here in 2023, Forbes or any of these other organizations haven't done other valuations. But you have to think about it in a couple different ways. The cost cap has been implemented. Revenues have stayed really, really, really high. In fact, Formula One dispersed $1.2 billion in payments to teams last year, right? So they take a percentage of the revenue, which was a record $2.6 billion last year, 20% increase year over year from 2021. And they sent $1.2 billion to the teams. So cost cap has been introduced, which lowers expenses. Revenues are up tremendously. Mercedes was one of the only teams that was actually making money. They had $22 million in operating income in 2019. They're probably doing a multiple of that today. My guess is that the Formula One racing team for Mercedes would probably be valued at like $1.25, $1.5 billion today. It's certainly a billion dollar plus organization for sure. The question is, is it 1.5? Is it 1.6, 1.7? But it's a lot. And like I said before, Toto owns 33% of that team. So not only did he get it at a valuation discount, he came in, he took over the team principal job. They had tremendous amounts of success. They're now making hundreds of millions of dollars every single year from their sponsors, plus the payments from Formula One and a bunch of other teams are paying them for technology sharing and, and engine suppliers and all that stuff. So they have about a thousand employees that work at their factory. Their powertrain unit has another 250 employees. So Toto oversees essentially 1,200 employees that are doing 450 to $500 million in annual revenue. They're probably doing anywhere between 25 to $75 million in operating income. And there's a multiple on top of that for the team, the franchise value, and everything else associated with the sport. So Toto's stake in the team is probably worth close to about $500 million today, if I had to guess plus all the other stuff he does outside of the sport. He ended up selling his Williams Formula One racing team 16% stake a few years ago. So he doesn't own that anymore, but he has a bunch of different investments. He's a minority shareholder in Aston Martin, the, the car manufacturer, not the Formula One team, but he's done tremendously well over there on that investment over the last few years. 
he still does a bunch of venture capital investing. He does a, a bunch of investing outside of motor racing and sports in general. And he apparently has a billion dollar net worth, according to Forbes. This episode is sponsored by SoFi. SoFi is the all-in-one finance app, helping you bank, borrow, invest, and save. SoFi's mission is to help members achieve financial independence and realize their ambition, all in one app. It's the single app you need to get your money right. I'm a SoFi member, and I love it. SoFi is legit, and they comply with the strict regulatory standards of the FDIC, so you can be sure that your money is safe. Visit SoFi.com slash Joe Pompliano to learn more. That's SoFi.com slash Joe Pompliano. All right, let's get back to this episode. The interesting part about this is how well Formula One has done. So a bunch of the articles when they started posting about this was claiming it was all drive to survive. Now, that's certainly part of it, right? Toto bought the team in 2012 and invested, you know, $30 million at the time, which is not an insignificant amount of money. You obviously have to be well off financially to be able to do that. But he wasn't a billionaire at the time. You know, he had made significant amounts of money. He probably used some leverage to be able to do that. And he bought a stake in the team. And Formula One has exploded over the last few years since Liberty Media bought it. Again, Liberty Media bought the organization for $4.4 billion in 2016. Its current market cap, if you look at their stock, the Liberty Media, it's called FWONK, is about $28 billion online. Now, maybe that's a little bit inflated. They've gotten bids for 20 to $25 billion from Saudi to buy the organization. But at the end of the day, the value has multiplied. Mercedes has been a huge benefactor of that. And it's only going higher. There's a reason why Toto or no one else is willing to sell to let the Andretti's or anyone else into the sport. Because if you look at F1 average viewership in the United States, in 2017, the sport was averaging 538,000 viewers per race in the United States. Last year, it was 1.2 million. So it's more than doubled over the last few years, from 538,000 viewers to 1.2 million viewers per race. The other thing that's interesting about this is that Formula One gave the rights to the races to ESPN for free years ago. When they first wanted to come to the United States, they said, ESPN, you take the rights for free. We just want your distribution. We want you to put us on your channel during the races, and we want free distribution. You can monetize it however you see fit. You can post about it. You can do all this different stuff, but we want it on your channels, and we're willing to give it to you for free. They did it. They were averaging 538,000 viewers per race. Decent, not terrible. Then it went to a $5 million a year fee, right? And they were paying $5 million a year. Viewership went up to 671000 then 600000 it, it, it basically sat around there. And they did it $5, $15 million a year for the next few years paying rights fee. And then Drive to Survive came around. COVID came around. Drive to Survive had actually been out for a year or two at this point. COVID came around. The series blew up. Now they're doing 1.2 million viewers per year. They just agreed to a new media rights deal with ESPN for $75 million to $90 million per year. ESPN actually now talks about the races on SportsCenter. They're going to have presence at the American races in Miami, Austin, and Las Vegas. And again, it has exploded. The U.S. Grand Prix weekend attendance in 2018 was 263,000 people. Last year, 440,000 people. Again, it's almost doubled. 262,000 people to 440,000 people in a four-year gap. It's absolutely incredible. And the other thing that's really interesting is from a marketing standpoint, this is amazing for not only the sport, but the teams. Let's start with the league. So Formula One has seen its average age of fans drop from 36 years old in 2017 to 32 years old today. That's significantly better than the MLB at 57 years old, the NFL at 50 years old, the NHL at 49 years old, and the NBA at 42 years old. So the average fan is 10 years younger than all of those other major sports leagues. That's amazing from a marketing perspective. And then if you think about Mercedes, their marketing advantage is so good 
that they literally talk about it on the earnings call for the parent company every single quarter. For example, when Mercedes was dominant throughout the last 10 years, they estimated that they were receiving about 25% of all viewership of all TV time during races because their cars were so good. Now, this is not good sometimes, right? If you're leading the race like Max Verstappen has been this year by, you know, 20 seconds at a time, your car's out of view and they're not going to be showing your car. But there was battles going on. The car was on TV a bunch. And they estimate that this has brought billions and billions and billions of dollars from a brand value increase. Based on Interbrand's yearly brand value ratings, Mercedes brand value has grown 75% since 2013 when Toto Wolf took over as F1 team principal. So in 2013, the Mercedes brand was worth $32 billion. Today, it is worth $56 billion. It's over $25 billion in brand value that he has added. And again, there is no reason why Mercedes would be cautious about spending this money today. It is a direct reflection on the amount of money that they're making as a company because people see the cars on track. It's an amazing from a marketing perspective, and it clearly impacts sales. We saw this with Aston Martin when Fernando Alonso won or was on the podium for the first race of this year, and the car showed that they had significantly more pace than the years prior. The stock made a huge jump and added multiple billions of dollars to their market cap. Now, the interesting part about that is that Aston Martin Formula One racing team is actually not even attached to the company. They simply just licensed the name, but Lawrence Stroll does own both, right? So he is an owner of both. He has the equity value and the enterprise value increase on paper there, and Total Wolf is involved in that deal as well. So I think when you add all of these things up and you look at this in totality and you say Total Wolf is one of the only people in Formula One history to make a billion dollars from the sport, right? There's plenty of people. It's like horse racing. How do you become a millionaire in uh, Formula One? You start as a billionaire and you eventually end up as a millionaire. It's a very expensive sport. People spend a lot of money trying to build teams and trying to make their teams more competitive. Lawrence Stroll is currently doing that with Aston Martin. He's obviously had some success, but he spent a heck of a lot of money doing it. Total Wolf is one of the few people to build this level of wealth through the sport. And it's through a combination of a few things. He obviously got a great deal with Mercedes. I don't think anyone would argue that. The team was worth maybe $175, $200 million at the time. He bought a third of it, essentially, for about $30 to $40 million. Great value. But at the end of the day, he improved the team value a lot by winning a bunch of championships. He has Lewis Hamilton, who's probably the most famous racing driver of all time in Formula One history from a, a popularity standpoint, at least, especially in the United States. And then you have what is happening at the macro level from not only a motor racing standpoint, but the league level with Formula One. And it's been the perfect storm. The team value has increased dramatically, dramatically, hundreds of millions of dollars. They went from being worth $175 million to potentially $1.5 billion today. Total Wolf increased his ownership stake from 30% to 33% a few years ago, and he has made a bunch of money. And now Forbes is claiming that he is one of the first billionaires in history. It's extremely impressive. He's an extremely impressive person. The one thing I will say is that if anyone hasn't read the Harvard Business Case Study, I recommend you read it. It has a bunch of really cool stories. It breaks down the business behind it. It's a, a year or two old at this point, so they still talk about kind of, the. I, I believe it was written when the championship hadn't been decided in Abu Dhabi yet, but you'll you'll see when you read it. It's awesome. It's really cool. They have excerpts of his email on there that he wrote to the factory people in the organization. And it's just really great. I learned a bunch. I thought it was really interesting. And I think you guys will too. But more importantly, that's it for today. I hope you guys have an amazing day. I hope that you are relaxing. You got to enjoy some of the golf this weekend and some of the other things that are going on in the sports world. 
and we will talk later this week. We have a a really exciting newsletter coming out on Wednesday. I'm going to be talking about Stephen Curry's new shoe deal with Under Armour. I'll talk about kind of what happened with Nike and why he left that organization, why he signed with Under Armour, and some of the business and money behind that deal, both historically, but also today. I think it's going to be really interesting and you guys will learn a lot. So make sure to check back in for that. And as always, please share these episodes with your friends. Subscribe to the channel, share it with your friends, help me help you grow this podcast by growing the audience, by getting better guests, by talking about more topics and sharing it with more people. Thank you as always. Have a great day.